Look, I mean, w when you look at it, it's crazy that Africa had not been producing cigars until now. Africa produces top quality tobacco, top quality raw material. However, we tend to ship them to the Dominican Republic or elsewhere where the, where the cigars are rolled and then sold. And, they, they, and the skills and the value stays wherever they are shipped. We have everything we need to grow top quality tobacco and cigars in Africa. So that's how the that's where the the inspiration came to me. It's very similar to what happened in the wine market. You know, the, the wine market 20, 30 years ago was controlled by the French and the Italians. And they would have explained to you, you can only make good wine here because the sun and the soil and whatever, the water, of course, it's all hot air. And we now, we now have great wines from Chile, from America, from South Africa, from all over the place. The cigar market is really going through the same sort of opening up. It used to be old Cuba. Now you have some of the best cigars in the world come from the Dominican Republic. You have great cigars from Nicaragua and so on. And of course, with us from Mozambique. Welcome to an episode of the Tefoma Happy Show hosted by myself. The show explores the impact, whether famously or infamously, some of my guests have had on the world. I believe that opening businesses and, and the healthy capitalism without the corporations which destroy the environment, etc. I think be naive to say that we've completely overcome any polarizing or divisive issues on a racial front. We thank you for taking some time out to listen to the podcast. Just give me a few seconds before we start. Before we start, how do I pronounce your surname? Is it Mukaiba? Correct. <laughs> you you named it. Mukaiba. Mukaiba. It sounds Middle yeah. Eastern. It sounds Arab. Arab people Middle Eastern, isn't it? It is. It is. That's because I'm from Lebanon. I grew up in Lebanon. I mean, I'm British, but I grew. I'm also Lebanese. I grew up in Lebanon. Ah, that explains it. Now, yeah. I'm, I'm quite curious because uh, I, I started smoking cigars a, a while back, but I found that there's a difference between when you, for me personally, maybe it's different for you, but I wanted to find out when did you fall in love with smoking cigars? I ask specifically, when did you fall in love? Because for me, and I'll explain later, there was a time I first smoked my first cigar, but it was, I didn't fall in love with it. And a few years later, I fell in love with it. So when did you fall in love with smoking cigars? Well, let me put it this way. I discovered cigars when I was a banker in London. You know, my background is, uh, I'm, a, I'm an ex-banker. I worked in the city. And I was a pretty young banker, and it was very much a nice, fun tradition that whenever we closed a nice deal, we would go and celebrate, have a few drinks, and uh, smoke a cigar. And that's how, that's how it started. And then I just kept on discovering it as we went. It became a bit of a nice routine for me on Saturday afternoons to go and sit in one of those nice London hotels and have a cigar while reading my paper. Then I went to Cuba with my girlfriend and discovered a lot more about cigar making, came back home with a whole load of cigars. And that's where I started from. And I've had periods of very regular smoking and periods of very uh, irregular smoking, depending on, you know, whatever else was happening in life. Okay, that sounds a little bit similar to how I fell in love with cigars because around 2010, 2011, that's when I fell in love. But before that, 
I was smoking them like probably once every few months when it was a celebration or something like that with friends. And it wasn't really something I did consciously or regularly. And then in 2010, that's when I was in Havana in Cuba. And there was this, we were at the Hotel Internacional and in the, in the ground floor, if I remember correctly, was a gift shop, but they also had this lady who wraps mm. the a Rolera. You oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, Rolera. yeah, yeah. So she would have different kind of wrappers and fillers and binders. And depending on what she had, she would draw you whatever you wanted. So that's when, when I saw that process, I was amazed. So that's how I fell in love with smoking cigars. So it's, it's a bit similar. Then I, I, I like, just like you, uh, there were periods where I was smoking regularly and periods that I wasn't smoking regularly. Now, <laughs> But it's something I've come to enjoy. And I'm a bit of an odd cigar smoker because I enjoy it mostly with coffee and wine. So mm-hmm. a morning, yeah, yeah, co- yeah. morning coffee with a cigar or in the evening with a glass of red wine. So, oh, yeah. Total bliss. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't have to be with, the, you know, cognac or whiskey, whatever. I, I actually, when we started Bongani, I had this lovely habit. Every afternoon, I would pick a cigar from a humidor where they, we had literally thousands sitting there and go and sit in a... In one of in Maputo, in one of our local restaurants, and have it with a coffee, and it's just—I mean, for me, though, it was a bit of work because I, you know, you have to know and and like and test your product. But uh, yeah, that was great fun. I mean, so, we still do it, but now we have uh, introduced a few smoking rules at work. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Bongani cigars, and I think that's a main reason why I got in touch with you to smoke to, to speak to you, not to smoke with. But to speak to you, you started this brand of African cigars. But before we talk about Bongani cigars as a brand, having, Mm. as I said, having fallen in love with cigars, I saw the process and started getting curious. And I realized that it starts at farming. I mean, you literally have to start farming tobacco leaves if I'm not wrong, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that sounds like a painful and a process that requires patience and tenacity and a skill so can you just take us through what's involved in going from the farm or even before the farm and deciding what type of leaves you want to plant and having a cigar sitting in a humidor you know from the time you've got a seed in the ground to the time you have a cigar in a humidor there's a minimum of two years generally up to let's say five years so first you're going to, you go, now, now before I get started, I want to point out that, you know, in Africa, Africa has been growing tobacco for more than a hundred years. And this part of Africa where we are, so Mozambique, Zimbabwe, it was just a question of growing the right varieties of tobacco. The other difference, of course, is that the tobacco for cigars is fermented, whereas tobacco for cigarettes, which is normally grown there, is not. So the way the process goes like this, first you're going to have your seeds and seedlings in the ground. And it's going to take about three to four months for the plant to grow. Then comes harvesting time. Of course, when you're harvesting, you are going to to differentiate between the leaves on the top, the leaves on the bottom, and the leaves in the middle. That's why some are called ligero, and they have all these Spanish names for them. Because depending on the quantity of sun the tobacco has, has received, the content of nicotine and aromas and so on will be different. And so you can't mix and match. They are graded and sorted separately. So 
just to go through the process quickly, you've got about three to four months to grow the plant. From there, you've got 40 days of curing, meaning the drying of the leaves, which is, this is when the leaves go from being this bright green to dark brown. Okay. Or, or light brown. That's the curing. Basically, what they're doing is what you, you are hanging your leaves on, uh, just hanging on the threads in a barn with uh, good uh, air circulation. This is why your tobacco barns, if you go to Zimbabwe or to Mozambique, central Mozambique, you will see a lot of those barns, some of them not used anymore, with holes in the walls on the bottom at the, at the soil level. And it's, it looks a bit bizarre. Why would you have a house with, or a barn with, with, with uh, holes you know, on, on the bottom? And, and, and that's because that's for air circulation when you're curing the leaves. So when that process is done, that takes, that, that takes another 40 days. When that process is done, if you're growing tobacco for cigarettes, that's it, you're ready to ship. You're going to pack them in bales and you're ready to ship. For cigarettes, that would be four months, right, or roughly? Uh, yeah, four to five months, I would say. Including the curing, you're probably looking at five months. Okay. If you're growing uh, tobacco for cigars, your pain has only started. That's just the easy bit. From there, you're going to do what is called a fermentation. So you're going to take all these leaves and put them in piles. And the weight, what happens is the weight of the top leaves on the bottom half increase. So that weight pressure means that the leaves start releasing ammonia and their temperature goes up. And therefore, you have to rotate those piles on a daily basis while having thermometers at different levels to control temperature as well. And you've got to rotate it on a daily basis to maintain temperature constant across your pile. And you're going to do that on every pile. And you're going to do that for up to nine months. When you see, you know, when you see those wrappers that are very dark. Yes, like Maduro's. The Maduro's. Well, Maduro in Spanish means mature. And the reason is because you've left those leaves to fertilize for a long time. For more than you would have normally. That's why it's called Maduro. That's why they're darker. And they're stronger also. And that means they might be stronger as well. Exactly. So that fermentation part generally takes about another nine months and it's quite labor intensive and uh, you've got people coming in and out, rotating those piles every day. Once that is done, you are ready to pack your tobacco in bales and chip it or let it sit there in good conditions and let it age for another however long you want, anywhere between six months and another three years. From there, you, you will ship it to the fabrica. We will rehumidify the tobacco, you know, because the tobacco is a very fascinating leaf that dries up a lot. And of course, when you're shipping, you don't want to be shipping water. So you dry, those leaves arrive very dry. But then you have, you, you rehumidify them and they regain their subtle, their, their, they become supple again. They regain their flexibility and their, their ability to roll and so on. And you have, you can either do it by hand or you have actually rooms. I don't know if you remember in, in Cuba or the Dominican Republic, you can see those rooms, which are a bit like a, like a steam room. Yes. And they rehumidify those tobacco leaves. From there, they are ready to be rolled. So you're going to roll them 
But of course, a, a cigar that has just been rolled is not ready for smoking. It will be very, very bitter if you smoke it because it, it's wet. So you need to then let it rest for anywhere between three weeks to six months or a year, and then you're ready to ship it and smoke it. Of course, we can even age it for longer. I mean, it's a bit like wine. The, the longer you age it, most likely, depending on the type of tobacco, the deeper it gets in terms of uh, aromas and, and, and depth of the experience. Okay, so we're looking at about three years, roughly. Yeah, from... you're looking at the grand minimum of two years, more likely three, and up to, up to longer, yeah. So, I mean, during that period of, of two to three years, we're talking about agriculture, we're talking about plants, these are not machines, so there's, there's weather issues, there's temperature issues. So it's definitely a delicate process. Something can go wrong or even bad seasons. Has that, have you ever experienced that where you've had a bad like, weather season where things didn't go according to plan? Yeah, absolutely. So you have to look at it. It's very similar to wine. You know how like in wine, you will have season to season. You will have different, different years. In some years, the grapes would be very strong in alcohol, other, year, other years less, and so on. Yeah. And, and cigars is very, very similar. So one of the challenges we will have is we want our cigars to be uniform. We want, them, we want the, the client experience to be the same every time you get a new Bongani cigar. It can't be a different one. But equally, from season to season, you can have variations. So that is sort of the challenge that you, that you have to handle. And, and you will have some variations. And that's also why you have limited editions very often, where you will say, look, that's the quantity of tobacco I have, top tobacco for that blend. And once it's done, it's done. I can't invent more. Yeah, you typically get, uh, I've seen with the Habanos, with your Trinidad, the, the Limitado, the Edicions yeah. and all that. So, so that explains, so that would be like a limited tobacco that they had. It's not necessarily that uh, they went out to create uh, a limited edition, is it? No, it's generally because they have a certain limited amount of tobacco with very clear specs. And uh, once they're done with that, they, it's very hard to reproduce or maybe they need to wait a couple of years until they get more similar quality. It might vary, but that's generally why you have these limited editions. Uh, keep in mind that, so Cuba has one specificity, which is generally they only ever use tobacco from Cuba. Sometimes they cheat and they import tobacco, but really the, the, the concept there, that's why you, they call it a puro. A puro means the pure, pure one. Pure, yes. Exactly. And, and uh, a, pure, a puro means that all the tobacco comes from the same place in Cuba. I think it's an overkill because you have actually now amazing tobacco coming from so many different places. So why would you limit yourself to one place? And, and you know, while we love our Cuban friends, their, their market share has gone up, has gone from 90% to 45%. So there must be a reason. Yeah, and, and it's what I said in the beginning. Many people, when they think cigars, they think Cubans only. But once you start to sort of experience cigars, you start, one, to develop your own taste for cigars. But you also find out that there's much more variety outside of Cuba. Which brings me to Bongani Cigars and why you started it. So I think... I came across your brand at one of the one of the cigar shops, JJK in Joburg. Mm, yes, yes. Three, about three to five years ago, I was first fascinated that we have an African cigar, but 
I think it was the one with the Cameroon rapper, which I smoked last yes. year again as well. Correct. So yeah. for me, I've got two, and that's I, I want you to tell us a little bit more about Bongani cigars, the concept behind it, and the type of cigars you, you make. So for me personally, I like two types of rappers. It's either a Cameroon rapper, hence I, I came across Bongani cigars and it was suggested, and a Criollo rapper. Mm. So your, your Camachos, etc. So what's, what's the concept behind Bongani cigars in, in terms of the cigars that you make and what types of cigars do you make? Look, I mean, w when you look at it, it's crazy that Africa had not been producing cigars until now. Africa produces top quality tobacco, top quality raw material. However, we tend to ship them to the Dominican Republic or elsewhere where the, where the cigars are rolled and then sold. And, they, they, and the skills and the value stays wherever they are shipped. We have everything we need to grow top quality tobacco and cigars in Africa. So that's how the that's where the the inspiration came to me. It's very similar to what happened in the wine market. You know, the, the wine market 20, 30 years ago was controlled by the French and the Italians. And they would have explained to you, you can only make good wine here because the sun and the soil and whatever, the water, of course, it's all hot air. And we now, we now have great wines from Chile, from America, from South Africa, from all over the place. The cigar market is really going through the same sort of opening up. It used to be old Cuba. Now you have some of the best cigars in the world come from the Dominican Republic. You have great cigars from Nicaragua and so on. And of course, with us from Mozambique. So what I did is I, I researched it a lot. I could see that there is a thirst for top quality African products. And, and I always loved cigars. I was fascinated by it. Uh, and this is how we started. So what I did is having researched my market, I went and decided, okay, I really want to do this. I went to the Dominican Republic and I hired a team of cigar rollers from the Dominican Republic, came to Mozambique to train our team of Mozambican cigar rollers to the same level as they would in the Dominican Republic, because we're not going to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. And our head of production now in Antony, in Maputo, is Dominican. Now Maputo is like home for him. And he is the one who trained, I mean, who, who still supervises our production and trains our next generation of cigar rollers as well. So that, that's how we developed it. And then, of course, we went across Africa looking for the best components that we could find, but keeping in mind that we don't do the whole puro business. We are happy to buy our tobacco from outside Africa as well as in Africa. We would always prefer African products, but if we can't find what we want, we will never compromise on quality and we buy from all over. So our wrapper is from Cameroon. It is one of the best wrappers in the world. I agree. Yeah, you know, remember that in 2008, the best cigar in the world was the Arturo Fuente Don Carlos Eye of the Shark. Yes. The wrapper on that cigar is Cameroon wrapper from the same plantation that we buy our, to buy our, our own wrapper from. So, and that brings us to, to your first question. You know, uh, growing a wrapper, so it's a tobacco leaf, but it is the Rolls Royce of tobacco leaves. It's grown under shade very carefully as it grows so that it doesn't grow too quickly, too slow, and so on. And it's a beauty in terms of, it's also very hard to roll, by the way. Uh, a Cameroon wrapper is much more tricky to roll for a cigar roller than some other wrappers because it's very thin. Ah, uh, so it breaks. Breaks easily. Yeah. It's quite technical, but it's a very, very sweet, very fantastic quality wrapper. So 
so we've got the Cameroon wrapper. Then our cigars are aged in cedar, and our cedar comes from Ghana, from West Africa. It's a very rich, deep scent. And indeed, in our boxes, we always include a sheet of cedar, which people can also use to light up their cigars. And the scent is very strong, very deep, fantastic in our boxes. Thanks to that. Interesting. So now now you started this brand, African brand that didn't exist. And I still assume it's the only African cigar brand currently? Yes, it is. It is. For now, we're the only ones, and I mean, it would be fantastic if one day we have more than more than one, and, bec- and Africa becomes like Nicaragua, like Ecuador, yes. you know, where people just don't think twice about it, and just grow great cigars. And I think it will happen because there's increasingly now we're seeing it a trend where people are growing top quality tobacco in Africa, and are shipping it to the Dominican Republic. That was always the case, but now it's a bit more pronounced including some of the best brands that you would probably know. And it is very likely that they will communicate on that in the coming, I would think, month and years, where they will say, this is our Africa line or something similar. Yeah. It might happen. Okay. That's, that's quite a lot. I look forward to hearing that. Now, yeah. I mean, cigars also, you explained the farming process, the, the process of going from seed to a cigar, but there's also another intricate process of making a cigar. And, and I'm sharing all this so that people understand that uh, as much as cigars are luxury brands, and there's a good reason why they're considered luxury brands, but it's because of the craftsmanship involved. And part of that is cigars come in three parts, and you know better about this than myself. So you've got the wrapper, which we've been talking a lot about, but you've also got the binders and the fillers. Can you just explain to us what you guys like variations you have around that and what a binder in a filament. Yeah, so in, in our case, for example, we use five different varieties of, of tobacco. Always the same quantity, the same ratio in each cigar, of course, so that our clients, once they like our cigars, and frankly, they love them, always, regain, always experience the same experience every time. So you've got five different types of tobacco, what do you call it in English? The capote in Spanish. The, um, not the wrapper, the, the binder. Sorry, binder, the binder. The binder. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, by the way, when you're producing a cigar, you have two jobs, two types of very distinct jobs. One is the bonchero, that's the bonchera, that's the person who does the inside of the cigar and puts in the binder. And then you've got the rolero or rolera, that's the person who will put in the wrapper. Yes. It's two distinct jobs. The, the bonchero, his or her responsibility is the construct of the cigar, making sure the burn and the draw is always the same and is very, very good, that it's not too tight or not too loose. And of course, that the varieties are, are always done. Needless to say, you are always, in a premium cigar, you are always using full leaf and it's always handmade. And of course, there is no chemi- added chemicals or anything like this. The, the, so that's the bonchero. The rolero, on the other hand, will put in the wrapper. That's another job, and it has to be very well, nicely rolled, so that the appearance of the cigar is nice and beautiful and smooth, and also the burn is very regular is very, and, and, and balanced. Now, in, in, in Cuba, the rolero and the bonchero are the same people, the same person. Okay. Trained to do both. 
in the Dominican Republic, it's two different tasks. And, and you will have one bonchero who is going to feed to his team of roleros, generally another two, and he feeds them the cigars and they roll, and they do the rolling. So they work in a, they work in a team of three. We follow the Dominican model, of course, because our team, you know, our trainers came from the Dominican Republic. And why is and, there a difference in, in the two models, if I may ask? Depending who you ask, they might tell you different stories. I would argue that you, it, is, uh, it, it is a better productivity and better quality with the Dominican model because whoever is doing one job, they do it extremely well and they don't need to worry about something else. In the Cuban, the Cubans are older school and, and therefore it also takes longer to train people because you have to train them in two different skills. So it, it is just, a, frankly, it's just a practice. I don't think at the end of the day you can see a lot of difference. Now, as I said, the Cubans have been losing a lot of ground to the Dominicans. And, and the, I would argue that the quality out of the Dominican Republic today is definitely superior and more creative than what you're getting in Cuba. No. The difference between the two, I personally, we, we really prefer the Dominican way. It just everyone's very, very specialized, very efficient. I know what they're doing down to the last P. And, and I quite like that, of course. Now we've gone from farm, from the seed. Now we've put the cigar together. And just before I, I get to the next point, as Bongani Cigars, clearly you've invested in this and you've got all these people. So you've got a tobacco farm and, and I assume you farmed this in Mozambique, right? Yeah, so what we did, okay, so I think maybe, yeah, we can. So, so Bongani, we are the first African cigar brand, as we said. We produce our cigars in Maputo and Mozambique, in southern Mozambique, and we are growing across Africa. What we did is we brought some seeds from the five different types from the Dominican Republic which we planted in Manica province, which is in central Mozambique, close to the border with Zimbabwe on the west side, which is a tobacco area, has grown tobacco for, for decades, if not, you know, for a hundred years. Now, as I say, we would also buy it. We, like most, if not all tobacco producers, we also buy tobacco from, from a number of places, like for example, our wrapper from Cameroon, or uh, now we're in contact with farmers in Zimbabwe. We're going to try as well, trial some, some, some in Nigeria as well. So we also buy our tobacco. We are constantly trying different types and in order to, to, to always keep the best blend we can, we can keep and improve it as we go. Okay, that makes sense. I guess it's more efficient. You can't grow all the tobacco you need to make cigars, right? Yeah, exactly. We're not farmers. So we, we, and then whenever we, we bring seeds and we, we do contract farming, so we will contract with a farmer who is a commercial tobacco farmer and will grow the tobacco for us according to very specific specs. We, we, we do not own a farm ourselves. Now, what I'm curious about, obviously you, you get different types of cigars. We're talking about Maduro wrappers, but you also get different sizes of cigars. So you get yes. all sorts of, of cigars. What I'm interested in before we even start describing the cigars is at what point do you guys decide what type, like do you conceptualize a cigar? Do you say we're going to have this type of cigar or do you wait to see what tobacco comes out? No, we, we certainly when we started, we were researching, so what type of cigar do we want? What size, 
what, you know, what Vitola, what size, what blend, and so on. What, we had some ideas ourselves, but we tested a lot. We tried and tested a lot. And what we did, and we still do very regularly, is blind tests with our customers. Oh, I see. So we have a whole group of, there's a whole group of cigar smokers in Maputo. And from time to time, we just give them free cigars numbered one, two, three. And we say, this is a questionnaire. Just give us your feed on, on these free cigars. And indeed, our cigar actually, so, so our headline cigar is the Robusto. The Robusto. Okay. This is the same size as the Partagas Series 4, you know, to compare with the Cuban. Yes, this is your most, same it is size. your most. Sorry, same Sorry, size as, as the, the Hoyo, there's a Hoyo, the Robusto. Well. The Epicure 2, yes. The, the Epicure Hoyo number two, yeah. Two. The Epicure 2 is slightly thicker than the Partagas. So these are two massive bestsellers and they are sort of our benchmarks. And uh, when we started, our cigars were slightly too short and slightly too thin. And looking at client feedback and listening to client feedback, we made them slightly thicker and slightly longer. And that became our best-selling Cigar to date, which is the Robusto size. Another important point is we sell it in packaging that is adapted to Africa. What particularly do you mean? To so, you know, in sub-Saharan Africa, outside South Africa, obviously, if you walk into JJK as you did, and they have this amazing walk-in humidor, that's a different game. But in so many other African countries, there isn't so much, so many humidors. And most clubs and restaurants and so on sell cigars, want to sell cigars, but they don't have functioning humidors. And they that's don't actually, want to have one. That's actually my pet peeve when I travel across the continent. Like I was in Accra, I was in Kampala, <laughs> yeah. you name it. And you'll be at a hotel and like you run out of the cigars that you had and you'll be asking, where can I buy cigars? And they'll point you to either a club. And when you do find, as you say, they don't have a humidor. When you do find a place that sells, it's either the wrappers flaking or falling off and they're not stored properly. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, those times are over. Those times when you ask for cigars and they bring you this humidor and everyone has touched every cigar and pressed it and ah, damaged yeah. it and hygiene and all of that stuff. Those times are over. You know, I, I don't think they're coming back. So yeah, we've noticed that most of our clients, they don't have functioning humidors they uh, love to have cigars because it's a good business for them and it's part of the whole experience they want to share. But on the other hand, they're concerned the cigars are going to get damaged and so on. So what we do is our cigars in nightclubs and restaurants and bars across Africa come in individual glass tubes that are sealed. Those tubes maintain humidity for a very nice number of weeks. I would say up to six weeks, eight weeks without a problem. And therefore, you know, when someone is opening a tube, they know that cigar has not been pressed and touched by, 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 by anyone else. And that has proven to work very, very nicely. It, it, and of course, wherever we are present, we train the staff of our partners on our cigars and on cigars in general. And they love that. Okay. So, you know, how to light it, how to cut it, where it's coming from. What does Bongani mean? By the way, Bongani means be grateful, as I'm yes, sure you know in, 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 better in than Zulu, I do yes. <laughs> in Zulu. Or, yeah, so, so we want to really communicate a very proud African identity. Okay, that makes sense. So the storage would be like storing in a Boveda bag. Yes. Okay, yeah. but which brings me to the next question. That's why I asked the call, how do you conceptualize your cigars? Now, from a branding perspective, you mentioned selling them in individual tubes, etc. 
So you get different types of, and, and cigar smoking is very personal. I accept that. And everybody smokes for different reasons and they smoke differently. Like I mentioned earlier, unlike it with coffee and with wine. So, but from Bongani as a brand point of view, what type of brand are you targeting? Are you, are you targeting the people who are curious about cigar smoking, who, who are just entering cigar smoking or the more mature, or are you looking across the board? You know, if you look at our clients, we've had really across the board, and we're very flattered by that. We have uh, younger, less hardened smokers who just want uh, a good, enjoyable cigar. And of course, people love smoking uh, Bongani because they, they, I mean, that's an expression that one of my clients told me, we are smoking Africa. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that, that's, that carries a lot of meaning. And then we have some of our clients who are very experienced smokers, actually, frankly, much more than, than I am. And they, some of them used to smoke five a day. So, so we've got the whole, the whole spectrum. We have three different sizes to cater for different experiences, only three for now. So the Robusto is your, your of course, the most popular size. Yeah. We also have the Bongani 458 short. So Robusto is a, what we call a 50 gauge, so just yes, below is. two centimeters in diameter. Yeah. We have the Bongani 458 short. That's a 58 gauge. That's a big Slightly cigar. Thicker, right? yeah. Much thicker. However, short, thick and short. So that's so is, it like the, is it like the nub range of cigars? Exactly. That's yes. totally like the nub. Yes. That's very much inspired by the nub and the success of the nub, which, by the way, has a Cameroon wrapper. Which is uh, one of my favorites, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then we have the 458 long. So that's 58 gauge also, but that's a long cigar, 14 and a half. I mean, that takes, that's a beast. It takes about an, an hour to smoke. And we sell a lot of those in nightclubs, for example, and, you know, where people have more time. Okay. And do you sell boxes? And that's why I asked about the more mature cigar smokers, because you find that a person like myself or anyone who smokes cigars regularly, you'd rather buy a box than buy individual. Yeah, absolutely. So, so either we sell by glass tubes, as I said, but that's really for outlets. And then, of course, we sell by boxes uh, of 20. Our box is, I think now, is acquiring a little, you know, a popular popularity of its own because it's, it's this very lovely black satin box with our gold logo on top. Okay. And inside it is lined with cedar, with cedar wood. So it's actually a small humidor. And when we ship, we ship it with a Boveda sachet inside, so it maintains humidity as it's on its way. Ah, interesting. Next time JJK opens, I'll ask for it. Yeah, so JJK used to have a lot of, yes, yes, they, they have both. Just ask them. And, you know, we, we know them quite well, and they're, they're lovely. Okay. Of course, with the lockdown now, stock is all over the place. But Now, what I want, now we can move to the sort of business side a little bit, just to understand, because... The process definitely is intensive. It takes a lot of time. As a finance person, does this mean you need to have a lot of capital just sitting, running operations before you can even turn a profit? No, no. It's not a question of capital because you're not buying any any fancy machinery or, okay. or, or some crazy stock, anything like this. Our biggest challenge on the business side is logistics. You know, we know how to produce a good cigar. We, we've got 
enough experience now and enough client feedback and client interaction that we know our cigars are, are, are great. I mean, I say that with a lot of humility because I'm not the one rolling them. So I can, and I'm constantly sending client feedback to, to our team. So that's great. The, the biggest part is not really the sale, it's not really the production, it's everything in the middle. How do you get your cigar in perfect condition from Maputo to a club in Lagos or in Nairobi or in Joburg and Pretoria, etc.? That is keeping in mind that tobacco, of course, is a controlled product. So you've got taxes and checks and all the time everywhere and yeah. sometimes delays. So that is a very key component of our business, which took us time to, to work out. And I would think for now, we've got it pretty much sorted for most destinations. And now we're starting in the US. So we're relearning all of this for the US. We're shipping to the US. Yeah, we're, we're, we're shipping to the US, distributing in the US. We, we've had a lot, a lot of interest from US consumers, particularly the African-American community in the US that is you know, for whom a product from Africa talks to yeah. them a lot, they connect with that. So, so yeah, we're, set, we're setting up three distribution points in the US. Wow. And then we ship, we ship from there. Because, you know, sending, you can't just send a box from, from Mozambique to, to New York. You know, mm. it, it's very, very expensive. It doesn't make sense. Now, uh, listening to all this, Kamal, it sounds very taxing as a, as a process. Have you become used to it or does it take a toll on you? The whole process ah. <laughs> of the whole process of just getting a cigar out and still having to deal with logistics and different countries, different regulations. Yeah, good question. <laughs> Thank you for that question, Tefo. No, look, we're fine. I mean, look, you you can't like lose sleep every time you've got some, some delay or some drama somewhere. You have to just keep keep your head down and keep working and so no it's not taxing yeah i mean yeah you have to be very patient very committed but then again that's the case in any business i would think yeah just d different challenges but challenges there are but you know on one day you're done and then you get we get a, like a super nice which i think two days ago i got this incredible email from one of our clients and explaining how much it means to them and how happy they were with our product and with our cigars. And that makes my day. So suddenly, you know why you're waking up in the morning. So, so no, I would never change. I would not exchange it for anything in the world. And I think we'll end it on that note. And really thank you for starting something because when I first came across, I had the same excitement as I would guess most of your clients are would have seen an African cigar brand because it always, as you've said and repeatedly said that it didn't make sense to me that we're growing tobacco in Cameroon, in Zimbabwe, etc. And especially with the Cameroon rappers, all that, but we didn't have a cigar brand from Africa. And just thank you for starting this brand and I wish you Godspeed going forward. Thank you very much, Stefan. That's lovely. Thank you for having me on. Remember to tell your friends, family, and colleagues that the show is available to listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, or any other app that you use to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure to head over to www.iafrican.com forward slash radio. That is www.iafrican.com forward slash radio. And subscribe get notified on new episodes and any other African radio shows. Stay safe on the web.